0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions
1: 18 plus.
2: If you're looking for your next new truck, trust Rush Truck Centers, the nation's largest commercial vehicle dealer network. Rush Truck Centers has trucks in stock throughout the country, including heavy, medium, and light duty work vehicles. Plus, they offer a wide range of programs that help coordinate, monitor, and expedite vehicle service and repairs throughout their qualified service facilities. Check out the online inventory today at RushTruckCenters.com. That's RushTruckCenters.com. Expect more from Rush Truck Centers. Please speak to your Rush Truck Centers representative for the latest
3: details. This is America's Trucking
4: Network with Kevin Gordon.
2: Welcome aboard. Thanks for tuning in. Certainly appreciate you being there. Coming up, we've got Ellen Voya, president, CEO, and founder of Women in Trucking. But before we get to that, we uh, we usually have weather at the bottom of the hour, but if there's a weather emergency or a weather warning on the National Weather Service website, I usually like to get that up front so that you know right up front what's going on. Uh, severe weather and uh, flash flooding outlook for the Central USA uh, going on into Friday morning. Heavy rains, flash flooding, and severe thunderstorm uh, threats stretch across the Southern Plains, lower uh, Arkansas Valley, lower Mississippi Valley, Tennessee Valley, Ohio Valley, and southeast until uh, going on into Friday morning. Flash floods will also be possible from North Texas, uh, eastern Oklahoma, to Arkan- into Arkansas, and the mid uh, Mississippi Valley heavy snowfall for portions of the Rockies and New England and good news is that uh, winter officially ends on March 20th but (laughs) we know how that works but uh, I want to make that mention up front because again um, job one is to get home safely and I want to give out warnings as soon as they as soon as I see them so that you can pass that information along to the people behind you and hopefully the people in front of you will do the same if you encounter different weather than what the forecasts are saying. So with that Let's uh, talk to Ellen Voya. She's been uh, hanging on and certainly appreciate uh, you uh, holding on for us, Ellen. But uh, Ellen Voya, president, founder, CEO of Women in Trucking. Uh, on a monthly basis, we have her as a guest. And unfortunately, I think this is our last uh, interview because she is going to be retiring or, or stepping down as president. But, uh
5: it doesn't have to be Kevin. I, I'm I'm not I'm not leaving until July and i Oh, well then. The okay. All right. So
2: yeah. <laughs> oh, good. I appreciate that. That that'd be great. Uh, absolutely. And of course I'm very much looking forward to seeing you at the mid American Truck Show down in Louisville at the end of this month. I mean it's gonna be great to finally meet you after all these months and, and talking to you on the air and that type of thing. So um I'm looking forward to that. And we got a lot of things to talk about as far as that is concerned. But let's start off with uh, the uh, member of the month. Uh, Very interesting story there. Tell us all about her
5: well Ashley Leva, um, she was in the military for fifteen years, and her mom um, drove a truck and Her mom became ill and so she came back home she came out of the military and she and her brother took over the the trucking company called leva trucking um, and they actually were hauling crude oil and Ashley was one of the um, fast port um rookie of the year. So there's a it's called Transition Trucking, Driving for Excellence and it's put on by an organization called Fastport and they give away a truck every year. And Ashley won this year. And we we actually Yeah. Um we had someone from Women in Trucking there to honor her. Um it's a seventy six a Kenworth T six eighty, um a seventy six inch sleeper. I mean it's just got the it's really loaded um with a lot of great stuff so that Dan and her brother, who are hauling crude um, crude oil, um, will continue. Now they have two trucks. So we were thrilled because typically the transition trucking winners work for big, big companies. And this is the first time it's been a small company and the first time it's been a woman. So we are so happy for Ashley.
2: How about that? That is incredible. Now, what's interesting, too, is a couple of things that we've touched on over the various months that we've talked is that, Okay, here is somebody that was influenced by a family member to come into the trucking industry or to come into the transportation field. Uh, secondly, as a matter of uh, uh, public service and being a, a member of the military, that's uh, an avenue. And also, um, as part of this um, um, award that she got, is that I guess you were talking about, uh, or no, I think it was, I was talking to, to a, a guy that has a, a CDL um, school. For one of the trade schools around here, and he talked about how it's now easier for people to drive these trucks because they have some of them have the automated uh, automatic transmission, and uh, this is a twelve-speed automated transmission. So again, that touches on a bunch of things that we've talked about on this program. But uh, how cool is that?
5: Well, and more and more companies are moving to automated transmissions because this generation that uh, of new young um, drivers. Um, are not used to having a manual transmission, so um, they're making it easier by putting in automated
2: yeah, I don't know about you, but I kind of have a superiority complex, knowing that I can drive one of those things. <laughs> you young whippersnappers out there, we got one on you.
5: <laughs> Absolutely, I learned to drive in an old army jeep, and it not only had um, a, an automatic or a manual transmission, it had uh, didn't even have an automatic starter. You had to push a button. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and now the cars have gone back to having the push button to start the car.
5: Actually, you're right,
2: Kevin. I didn't <laughs> think about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I still. Yeah, everything's gone full circle. So jeez, <laughs> anything to make it easy. As a matter of fact, one of the cars that I first drove, my mom had a car. She had a, a Plymouth Fury, and back then, uh, Chrysler Plymouth was experimenting with one of these. Uh, uh, t- instead of the lever for the moving the transmission, or uh, you know, to go park, reverse, and it was push button. Did you yeah. ever? Did you ever see one of those? Uh, no. Yeah. Which, which is interesting because you'd get in the car, you'd start it with a key. And then you just push the button and then go into reverse or, um, whatever you need to go into neutral or whatever. And it was kind of a kind of an interesting feature. It's kind of a different thing, but uh, they went away from that. So apparently it wasn't all that good. So anyway, it's amazing how some of this uh, stuff comes full circle. Um, so yeah, is she going to be down there at the, uh, uh, the truck show or is she going to be uh, I- all in crude and.
5: I'm not sure if she's coming or not. Um, I guess I haven't reached out to her to find out. But, uh, I mean, she's, I hope she does so that you can meet her and I can meet her in person. I
2: know. That'd be great. But, you know, again, this is one of those situations, as you've talked about before, where um, a person is influenced by a family member or somebody close to them and come into the trucking industry. Uh, it's just so amazing. So anyway.
5: Absolutely. And you know, Ashley has a six-year-old daughter who actually was with her when she won the truck. And so Ashley's hoping that her daughter gets in the trucking industry as well.
2: Let's talk about the three finalists for driver of the year award.
5: You know, this was started a few years ago. Walmart sponsors it. And I just love announcing, uh, honoring a female driver of the year. And this year, the three finalists are A good friend of mine is Mary Bass. We she goes by the name Candy. She's seventy eight years old and she's been driving for fifty years. Um, and she comes to all of our events. She's just, uh, you know, she's just amazing. She's one of the finalists um, and she's been very active with women in trucking. When she goes to a trade show, she keeps buying memberships for drivers she meets. Uh, she says, you got to be a member of women in trucking. So she's just amazing. And then Allie Cooper, she's a professional driver for Penske Logistics. Um, her uh, She's a daughter of an owner operator and she again was in the milita- military. She drove in Iraq, Iraq and Afghanistan, um, and then ran her own um, uh, company as an owner operator before transitioning to a driver role. Um, and and then the third one is Ann McFarland. Um, she is with Leonard's, excuse me, Leonard's Express. But she works for a couple of other places. She's got a Safe Driving Award at Apex. And she this year will be honored with Leonard's Express Million Mile Award for more than one million Safe Driving Miles. So all three of these women are just um, amazing. They're exceptional. And we will announce the winner at the Mid-America Trucking Show on the 30th of March in that, Louisville, Kentucky.
2: And this is a great cross-section of, of different uh, uh, companies and uh, from around the country as well. So that is interesting. You know, somebody in the military, somebody who's been in um, at 78, still driving, and then um, I'm, I'm, it seems that uh, Leonard Express is kind of a, a smaller company, if I'm not mistaken.
5: Not too small, but yeah, um, and the company that Candy Bass drives for is much a smaller company as well.
2: Okay. All right. Well, we need to take a quick break and uh, come back, and uh, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Ellen Voya, president, founder, and CEO of Women in Trucking. I'm Kevin Gordon, America's Trucking Network, 700 WLW.
4: This is the Racing Report on America's Trucking Network on 700 WLW.
6: Looking ahead to the racing weekend, the NASCAR Cup Series runs the Oil 400 Sunday at Las Vegas Motor Speedway with Alex Bowman, the defending champion. It's the NASCAR Xfinity Series Saturday afternoon in Las Vegas in the ALSCO Uniforms 300. The NASCAR trucks run Friday night also in Vegas. The NTT IndyCar Series kicks off its 2023 season Sunday with the running of the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. Scott McLaughlin is defending champion on the street course. Will Power, of course, has had great Success in this event in Saint Pete, a two-time winner and a nine-time pole
0: winner. You don't get much, much rest around that track. It's, um, it's a very rhythm track. A lot of ninety-degree turns, and and uh, uh, yeah, it's for whatever reason it really suits me. I really like it a lot way at races, just the track layout, actually.
6: The 2023 Formula One season begins Sunday with the running of the Bahrain Grand Prix. Charles Leclerc in a Ferrari won there last year. Fernando Alonso will start his 20th F1 season with a new team at Aston Martin.
5: I think it's, it's always the same feeling before race one, where you obviously prepare over winter, and we have less and less uh, tests uh, these days, and yeah. You feel maybe not 100% ready with the car, especially if you change team, uh, you need a little bit more time to adapt.
4: This is the Racing Report on America's Trucking Network on 700 WLW.
6: Say, Dennis, at ATN.
2: This is America's Trucking Network, 700 WLW. I'm Kevin Gordon. Continuing our conversation with Ellen Voya, president, founder, CEO of Women in Trucking. And I'm really looking forward to getting down to the Mid-American Truck Show at the end of this month. Uh, We're going to have, hopefully, we'll get all set up. I don't know where we're going to be located, but we'll have a setup down there, and we'll be doing some interviews with a lot of people down there. But uh, thanks for hanging with us through the break, Ellen. I certainly appreciate it.
5: Oh, absolutely. And I look forward to meeting you in
2: person, too. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun because I I want to be there. uh, Well, we're going to be doing the uh, um, Friday night, the award for the um, woman of the year, the trucker of the year. Um, So tell us a little bit about that. We've already talked about the the three finalists, and we talked about that in the previous segment. But uh, um, they're giving away a truck as well. So tell us all about that.
5: (laughs) So, when we do our salute to women behind the wheel, it's just a big celebration. We have chocolate fountains, and sometimes it's dark chocolate, sometimes it's milk chocolate, sometimes it's white chocolate, so you never know. We have a big cake that's in the shape of a semi. And, of course,
2: it would have to be in the middle of Lent. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I can get a dispensation from the bishop for giving up chocolate for Lent. uh, So. (laughs) But now, if I'm
5: well, we'll have other things. I but. think if I'm more than
2: hundred miles away from home, I don't think that matters. I think I think there's a yeah, dispensation there.
5: Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so at our salute to women behind the wheel. It's really to honor female commercial drivers. And like I said, we give them a red shirt. We just have a big celebration. Um, and we also announce our driver of the year, which I mentioned the three finalists. So that is always exciting. And that's sponsored by Walmart. But this year, we are also giving away a truck. Um, we gave away a truck six years ago. Aero truck sales donated a used truck to us. Um, and so we're doing it again this year. It's a. 2018 Volvo V&L 670. Uh, it's got uh, the Volvo engine, um, the ni shift transmission. So it's uh, an automated transmission, a 12 speed, um, aluminum wheels, double bunk sleeper, and the graphic on there is uh, our Women in Trucking Driver Ambassador graphic. It shows a superhero um, female. So it'll be. I get to. Uh, <laughs> I get to, uh, I keep saying give the keys, but I can't say give the keys because it's got keyless entries, uh, keyless entry on it. So, uh, it, I'll be able to hand the key fob to somebody. Um, <laughs> and, and they, they had to submit, uh, first of all, they had to be a member of Women in Trucking. They had to be a verified CDL holder over the age of 23. They have to be present. So when we announce it, somebody's going to be jumping up and down and screaming. And they had to write a a short essay about why they feel we should have more women in the industry and what they personally are doing to bring more women in the industry. So those were the requirements. And so we will announce the winner um, at the Mid-America Trucking Show. It's actually March 31st. It's on Friday, and it's Mm -hmm. at the Kentucky Exposition Center in Louisville, Kentucky.
2: That's great. Like I said, I... I've not been down to that uh, function before, and I and, and I've been told by everybody that I'm in for a real treat. and I'm certainly mm-hmm. looking forward to that. We're talking with uh, Ellen Voya, president, founder, and CEO of Women in Trucking. Um, so I'm sure you're a veteran there, and maybe I get. A, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to go through and get uh, kind of a, a heads up or kind of a. Um, walking list of some places that I have to attend and that type of thing, just so I make sure that I hit them all over the three-day period of time that I'm down there. So I'm um, looking for. Well, you,
5: have a, you need to look at the Hall of Fame because I'm on the Hall of Fame, the America Truck Show Hall of Fame. So that's kind of cool.
2: Mm-hmm. Very much so. Well, that's great. Now, um, also, um, we've got you know there is a transition uh, going on with women in trucking. Um, you are going to be um, stepping down or, or re, uh, stepping down as president. Um, tell us a little bit about that to kind of refresh uh, everybody's. We talked about this last month, but uh, I can't, you know, as far as being a spokesperson for the organization, I can't think of anybody else uh, that could be um, a better spokesperson because you're very outgoing. Uh, uh, just from the conversations we have um it, you seem like a very fun person and i'm just you know an outgoing person and and, and somebody you just like to get to know and so uh, being an ambassador or being a spokesperson for the organization um which would be great and then you also mentioned that you're going to be doing some writing too
5: well and i will always be the founder so i'll always have that title and so i will be doing some speaking um some public speaking you know talking about how, you know, gender diversity in the supply chain and things like that, how to get female drivers. So I still am, you know, the the go-to person for understanding diversity in the trucking industry. So I plan on still um, being active in that way. I just will not be running the organization, um, you know, and reporting to the board of directors and managing staff and things like that. I'll be turning that over to Jennifer Hedrick, um, who will be the incoming she, we currently call her the incoming CEO and president, but on March 16th, which is our annual board meeting, that's when she actually will get the title. Um, and then I will revert to the title founder.
2: That's great. I look forward to continuing our monthly conversations, and I certainly look forward to meeting you down in Louisville at the end of this month at the MidAmerican Truck Show.
5: I look forward to meeting you in person. With the Lucky Land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere.
7: 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
2: Ellen Voya, president, founder, CEO, Women in Trucking. Certainly glad she was able to take time out of her day to spend some time with us. and I certainly appreciate it. Uh, let's switch gears here and take a look at uh, oil and gas prices as we normally do in this segment. Uh, currently, West Texas Intermediate Crude is at $77.90. That is up 21 cents or... 0.27%. Brent crude is currently at $83.38, which is up only 7 cents or 0.07%. Uh, so it's not even, you know, we're talking about tenths of a percent here at this point. Um, according to what's going on in the market, says oil uh, prices paired gains on Thursday as signs of strong economic rebound on top uh, crude importer China. Were offset by a stronger dollar and fears over the impact of potential increases to European and U.S. interest rates. Because what's going on right now, and to just give you the kind of the headlines of that, Chinese manufacturing activity grew last month. We had that. We we talked about that a couple of days ago, and that's still ramping up their economy over there. Our crude inventory build was bigger than uh, what was expected. Uh, the, uh, European Union minutes suggest that they're going to be, uh, further rate increases ahead. A dollar firms up and, uh, one more strong dollar that, uh, pushes down, uh, the demand for the oil. And then the, uh, U.S. labor market, uh, basically, uh, they're talking about it stayed resilient. Uh, first quarter labor costs revised were higher um so with this pressure and again we keep talking about this supply side and demand side and so on that they keep uh bumping but uh, bumping up against each other you know if one wasn't there the other would take off so you've got um, there's pressure pushing the demand down there's pressure putting the uh, supply up and so you know those things uh basically go to a uh, A standoff, if you will, to where the prices just really don't go up that much. Now, again, you know, European Union, they're they're still struggling over there. They're talking about uh, that uh, they're going to continue to increase their interest rates. They have been increasing their interest rates a lot faster than we have over here. Uh, So um, that, uh, you know, as bad as we... I don't want to downplay it as much because we've got some serious problems going on in this country that need to be fixed. And I don't want to fixate or focus on other countries because, quite honestly, I don't care what goes on over there. I don't want to be in a position of where we're saying, well, you know, it's bad, but thank God for England because we're not as bad as them. No, we shouldn't even be paying attention to what's going on over there. We should be having our own economy driven by the economic data and based on the resilience of the American people that we control our own destiny. But, uh, you know... uh, It is what it is, and we deal with it. In the story, they indicate here that oil was also pressured by the strengthening dollar after U.S. unemployment claims pointed to a strong jobs market. With other data showing uh, growing labor costs, investors expect the Federal Reserve will keep interest rates high for longer. Now, again, they're trying to keep inflation at 2%. And yet the problem with that is, is that no matter how much they try to destroy the American economy, the resilience of the American people, we are continuing to keep on doing our job and moving forward. So um, anyway, that's what's going on pretty much just pretty much a standstill in the uh, oil markets. When we get back, we take a look at uh, uh, gasoline prices nationwide and there's some inf- information there. And then we'll get into uh, um, a story that I've been wanting to get to. 180 million barrels of crude may never be returned to the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. I'm Kevin Gordon, America's Trucking Network, 700 WLW.
1: News, traffic, and weather. News Radio 700 WLW, Cincinnati. Norfolk Southern officials
8: show their faces before East Palestine residents on Thursday. The response, loud and clear. With the 1230 Report, I'm Sean McCormick. Breaking now. An angry resident of East Palestine letting officials of Norfolk Southern know the trouble townsfolk are having with banks and financial institutions. Thursday's meeting with residents, federal EPA officials, and Norfolk Southern representatives. The first face-to-face between those affected by the train derailment and the
9: railroad company. As we head to our Friday daybreak, we'll see a morning low of 42 as heavy rain develops. Through the day, more storms with a severe threat and a flood watch and a wind advisory too. A high is 60. At night, rain, storms, winds all start tapering off. We're down to 35. From your severe weather station, I'm 9. First warning, Chief Meteorologist Steve Raleigh. News Radio 700 WLW.
8: Radar is clear right now. It is 59 degrees. News is a service of progressive insurance. Feds are saying no to the Fort Washington Way project.
3: There's not going to be any money coming from the federal government this year to study putting a cap over Fort Washington Way. The government's rejected a request for $2 million for design work to start the project. City wants to make Fort Washington Way a tunnel running through downtown and the banks that would open up more space above it for future development. They had hoped to get money through the infrastructure bill, but the project was not included in the latest round of grants. Part of the Reconnecting Communities pilot, 45 other projects across the country were selected. They'll get $185 million in awards for 2023. I'm Brian Combs, News Radio 700 WLW.
8: Our next update is at 1 o'clock. I'm Sean McCormick, News Radio 700 WLW. It's the Marketers Report.
4: Here's your trucking forecast for the tri state and the rest of the country. And the Tri-State overnight, increasing clouds with showers toward daybreak, the low dropping to 41. For Friday, rain and a chance of thunderstorms, 2 to 3 inches of rain possible, a high of 61. Mostly sunny Saturday and Sunday, a high of 54 Saturday, and temperatures will be near 60 degrees Sunday. Nationally, a strengthening storm system producing widespread hazardous conditions as we finish the work week, as it was pushing northeastward from the Southern Plains Thursday afternoon, as it makes its way across the lower to middle Mississippi Valley and Ohio Valley Region Friday and into the Northeast Friday night and Saturday. Thunderstorm activity was developing rapidly late Thursday afternoon and evening ahead of the storm across eastern portions of the Southern Plains from central to eastern Oklahoma and to North Texas. These storms had the potential to produce flash flooding and severe weather as they now push eastward into Friday morning across the lower Arkansas Valley, lower to middle Mississippi Valley and lower Ohio Valley region. The heavy rain and flash flooding as well as severe weather threat will then push through the Ohio Valley and Tennessee Valleys Friday as the strong storm continues to move steadily northeastward. During Friday, heavy snows will also develop on the northwest and northern fringes of the storm across northern Illinois, northern Indiana, and the southern portions of the lower peninsula of Michigan, where snow totals of six inches or greater are possible. This heavy snow potential will then spread into portions of the northeast and New England Friday night into Saturday, with snow totals of 6 to 12 plus inches possible across upstate and northern New York, all of Vermont, New Hampshire, northern Massachusetts, and southern Maine. Snow rates greater than an inch an hour and strong winds are possible in some areas. While Winter weather grips areas from the lower lakes into the northeast record warmth will continue across portions of Florida. Numerous record high temperatures have been set across the southern tier of the country along the Gulf Coast over the past few days. While somewhat cooler temperatures are expected across the western to central Gulf Coast over the next few days, much above average temperatures of 10 to 20 degrees above average will continue across much of Florida supporting the potential for additional record highs on Friday and Saturday. In contrast, below average temperatures continuing to persist across much of the west to the west of the Rockies into this weekend. Additional record or near record cold maximum temperatures possible again Saturday along much of coastal California. A frontal boundary moving toward the Pacific Northwest coast Friday night will bring additional moderate to heavy precipitation into coastal sections of the Pacific Northwest, southward into northern California. Additional heavy snowfall likely through the Cascades of Washington State and Oregon, the Olympic Range of Washington, and the coast ranges of Oregon, Northwest California, and the Northern Sierra Range. Areas from far southwest Oregon into northern California have seen above-average precipitation and mountain snows over the past week, with a likelihood of additional heavy snows through this upcoming weekend.
2: 700 WLW America's Trucking Network, I'm Kevin Gordon. Continuing where we left off with the previous segment, and by the way, thanks for hanging with us through the break. Certainly appreciate that. Um, we did uh, oil and oil prices earlier and kind of the explanation of all that. And it's it's amazing that how on a day-to-day basis, and like I said, I, you know, I repeat myself, I know, but every morning when I get up in the morning, I, one of the first things I do is I, I look at oil prices because it fascinates me how those can fluctuate from being up a couple of bucks in the morning or down a couple of bucks and then rebound or or fall later on in the day. And it just depends on what economic news, what, what information from around the world uh, affects the market. And, you know, having been in the accounting business, and as I said before, I'm a recovering accountant, I have fairly good, I wouldn't say expert, not, not even an expert, but, you know, kind of an understanding of the stock market. And when you the stock market itself individual stocks are generally controlled by the individual companies themselves their performance whether they're making money or they're not making money whether they've done something stupid and uh, caused um, you know uh, a product recall or something along those lines but you're not you know unless they bring out some horrible earnings numbers or layoffs or something like that. You don't normally see a bunch of wild swings within those particular stocks. Now, as far as the stock market itself is concerned, sometimes, you know, when the um, Fed meets and they raise interest rates and all that sort of stuff, or there's bad economic news, the market as a whole. But it's if it's the individual stock, you can usually predict whether it's going to go up or down. But oil, it just seems that no matter what goes on in the economy, that is almost like an individual stock in and of itself. So that if there's great news coming on, all of a sudden, you know, the, the. The oil prices will shoot up uh, if they if something else comes along. Because uh, I've seen fluctuations in a, in a one-day period of time of uh, about $4 up and $4 back. And as we saw today, it just pretty much settled in the middle that uh, all the pressures that were uh, driving up the oil prices in the beginning of the day, by the end of the day, pushed it back down by the other news that came about. Uh, but taking a look at uh, gasoline prices around the country, uh, currently the average nation Nationwide is $3.37. That is uh, down about 12 cents from just a month ago. And we're actually down 29 cents from this time last year, which is an 8% drop. However, you know, gas prices are already up about a buck prior to um, from the previous year anyway. So the fact that we're down a little bit from where it was last year is nothing to write home about. Uh, when you compare that to back in 2020, gas prices were at $2.51. So we're actually paying 86 more cents per gallon. That's a 34% increase. Over on the diesel side... Uh, current price uh, nationwide is $4.39. That is down almost 30 cents uh, from just a month ago. However, when you compare that to a, a year ago, we are still up th- uh, 35 cents from where we were this time last year. This time last year, diesel was at $4.04. That's a 9% increase. Compared to three years ago in 2020, when I might add that we were energy independent for the first time under the Trump administration for the first time since 1949, Diesel prices were at $2.85. So we're paying $1.54 more per gallon than what we were back then. And that's a 54% increase nationwide. The highest gasoline price is still, uh, in the state of Hawaii at $4.88 to a low of $2.94 in Texas. In my little corner of the world in Campbell County, Kentucky, uh, we are currently paying, uh, well, the lowest price I see there is $2.89 for gas and then three nine three ninety nine uh for diesel so uh there at least in campbell county we're seeing uh prices below four dollars for the first time in a long time and uh it's good news there now um since uh, we got you know a little sidetracked, uh, well not sidetracked, we had the interview with Ellen Voyen that went uh, um, into the other segment, we didn't even have a chance to, we're finishing up our oil and gas prices here, and normally in the bottom, uh, coming out of the news, I like to do a uh, step back and take a look at uh, today in transportation history, so we'll pick that up here now, um, and I, like I said, I always like to take a step back and look at some of the events in history, I like to focus on some of the people that got us to where we are today, focus on their achievements, on their sacrifices, just to get us to this point and by their sacrifices we learned something or they discovered something that uh, for, for the good of humanity. Um, also um, when you go back in history you learn the lessons from history unless you're the Biden administration um, and you don't make those mistakes going forward. The old saying if you do not learn from history you're destined to repeat it. Uh, on this date March 3rd 2005 Stephen Fawcett uh, circumvents the uh, um, a one solo around the world nonstop. Fawcett enjoyed a well earned reputation as a sailor, aviator, and adventurer. He had set already 116 records in five different sports. many still stand today. Among his accomplishments, Fawcett set circumnavigation records in a balloon in 2002, a catamaran in 2004, as well as a transcontinental speed records in a turboprop plane, uh, including two in one day in 2005, in 2003, rather. In 2005, Stephen Fawcett became the first person to fly an airplane around the world solo without stopping or refueling. Piloting a global flyer, a a specifically designed craft with carbon uh, uh, composite airframe and a single Williams jet engine that featured 13 fuel tanks and a 7-foot cockpit, he took off from Salina, Kansas on February the 28th. Heading east with prevailing winds, he returned to uh, Salinas 67 hours later after flying 25,000 miles on March the 3rd. His average speed of 342.2 um, miles set a record for unfueled nonstop speed around the world. And as if that wasn't enough... In February of 2006, he undertook the longest nonstop airplane flight taking off from Cape Canaveral, Florida, aboard the Global Flyer. 76 hours, 45 minutes later on February the 11th, he made an emergency landing in Bournemouth, um, England, having covered 26,389.3 miles. Fawcett also competed in other (laughs) endurance sports such as the Iditarod Sled Race and the Ironman Triathlon. On September the 3rd, 2007, Fawcett was reported missing after a single-engine plane disappeared during a scouting mission in western Nevada. Subsequent search uh, efforts were uh, hampered by the area's remoteness and rugged terrain. On February the 5th, a year later... Uh, well, actually, um, what is it, seven, eight months later, February the 15th, 2008, Fawcett was declared dead by a court in Chicago uh, in October, which about a month, uh, a month and a year after he went missing. The wreckage of his plane and what was thought to believe the remains were found in Inyo National Forest, Nevada. DNA tests later confirmed that the bones, in fact, were his. But on this date, March 3rd, 2005, made the uh, solo flight um, the first person to do that solo nonstop without refueling. Just um, amazing, some of the things. And this guy, I mean, um, fortunately, you know, he had the time. Fortunately, he had the finances. And fortunately, he had made enough money to be able to do these things. But imagine having the ability to, uh, you know... <laughs> Set records in a balloon, set records in a catamaran and all this sort of stuff um, and participate in uh, other endurance sports. But uh, um, boy, um, and then, you know, uh, from what I remember, and they didn't really talk about it in the story itself, but I remember, uh, you know, Stephen Fawcett doing this and doing that. And I think this was just a regular flight. And after all the dangerous kind of like daredevil things, I guess, you know, trying to fly solo um, around the world by yourself, you know, solo means, you know, obviously by yourself, but all the different things he did, just a, a regular out to fly. Uh, to do some scouting and to, uh, to just take a normal flight and all of a sudden, you know, you have a plane crash. I mean, that's kind of the way it, it goes sometimes. You, you can do the most daredevil things and it's just common. The common everyday thing that happens is the thing that kills you. So when we get back, we're going to take a couple of look at uh, some of these uh, other stories that we had and, uh, Anyway, uh, when we come back, uh, one in particular I want to get to is that uh, it doesn't look like anytime soon they're going to be refilling the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. I'm Kevin Gordon, America's Trucking Network, 700 WLW.
1: Since 1973, OOIDA has been along for the drive. It started when a small group of us drove to Washington to speak up for our rights. And over the past 45 years, OOIDA's voice with lawmakers has grown loud and strong. Do you think we stopped there? No way. Policy is important, but so are things that you need daily to run your business and care for your family. So OOIDA provides truck insurance and health care, tools to build your business and invest in the future. We act as your advocate and educator, finding you ways to save money. We go where you go and pave new ways ahead so you never have to hit the brakes. Every curve, every way station regulation change and personal milestone. OOIDA is there. Committed to your safety and success and the future of every professional truck driver on the road. Find out more at OOIDA.com.
7: The thought of my sons growing up without me inspired me to quit smoking.
9: I talked to my doctors
0: and then I threw away all my cigarettes, ashtrays, and lighters. I started exercising instead of smoking.
7: Getting support from friends online kept me on track.
0: Staying away from alcohol when I was first quitting was key.
7: Instead of smoking after I ate, I'd get up and take a walk.
0: I missed having a cigarette in my hand, so I'd hold a pen or a straw, anything.
7: Until I knew I wouldn't give in to temptation, I spent more time with my friends who didn't smoke. I went to places that were smoke-free. I didn't stay quit the very first time I tried.
0: I kept on trying, and I learned something each time. Do whatever it takes, no matter how many times it takes.
7: I quit. I quit. I quit. We did it, so can you. You can
4: quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of
0: Health and Human Services and CDC. (laughs) Indoor baseball, anyone? party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
7: At St. Jude, researchers are working around the clock to find new ways to combat the deadliest childhood
5: cancers. This is a St. Jude moment.
0: My name is Joel, and I was diagnosed with osteosarcoma, which is bone cancer, and I came to St. Jude as a 7-year-old because doctors had discovered a tumor in my right shoulder. St. Jude was amazing early on. You know, Even as a 7-year-old, they found a way to explain it to me, to have other people talk to me. That By the time I walked out of here seven months after the amputation, I was fully adjusted using my left arm you know, so I could jump right back into school and have no qualms or no worries about that at all. So I'm lucky enough to be married to Lindsay, uh, who is also another former St. Jude patient who I actually met at a St. Jude event. She was in the middle of her treatment. Um, I had finished mine just a couple of years before and just told her I loved her. Luckily, she reciprocated, told me the same thing back, and we were fortunate enough to get married on the St. Jude campus.
7: St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org.
0: Live
1: from the 700 WLW studios, driven by the all-new Mike Castrucci Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Fairfax. For the biggest selection of Jeep Wranglers in town, visit MikeCastrucciCJDR.com. That's Mike Castrucci Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram on Red Bank Road in Fairfax.
7: You're listening to 700 WLW. Also available on 94.5 FM, W233BG, Cincinnati.
2: America's Trucking Network, 700 WLW, the big one, the nation's station. By the way, if you miss any part of the program, make sure you head over to that iHeartRadio app, find 700 WLW, scroll through the various shows. There you'll find America's Trucking Network, all the shows, all the interviews that we've done right there at your fingertips. And, of course, that is brought to you by Rush Truck Centers. I saw this story uh, a while ago, and I keep thinking that, okay, it, it you know, see where it goes and that type of thing. But you know, we've been talking about the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and the way that the uh, Biden administration has been pulling that down. The Strategic Petroleum Reserve is there for emergency purposes. It was established back in the 70s as a result of the oil embargo back then. Because we were allies of Israel and because Israel prevailed in the Six-Day War, the Arab countries there and where the oil was coming from, they were upset with us and they thought they'd punish us. So they cut down the production. Uh, the, the supplies were were crimped. And we had gas lines in the United States. We had uh, all kinds of problems economically as a result of that. And the government decided that, hey, we're not going to do this again. We're going to build up an oil reserve, um, a strategic petroleum reserve, and start putting oil in that in the event that there is a future embargo or if we have a natural disaster or a fire at a um, a refining facility that we can't uh, um, um, refine oil or if we have a problem, especially in some of the ports, because when you have a port... That means that it's on an ocean. And if you have an ocean, you're subject to hurricanes, cyclones, weather events, and that type of thing. Also, throughout the country, we've got uh, um, earthquakes. Well, we've got earthquakes in uh, uh, California, um, here in the greater Cincinnati, northern Kentucky area we sit on a fault line called the new madrid fault line and we do i mean they keep talking about well sooner or later we're going to have a an earthquake here i believe it was back in the um, 80s 84 85 or something like that there was a a minor shaking of the area that people noticed uh, but it, uh, you know at that point i didn't even know we were on the. Um, i never heard of the new madrid fault line but uh you know Uh, These things occur. And so in the event of an emergency, you have this oil reserve that can be tapped into so that we can sustain ourselves and not have a catastrophe in our economy, which will lead to gas lines. But this was pulled down by the Biden administration to try to prop up or to try to influence the oil markets. And, of course, the oil markets themselves, OPEC, they didn't like this because... On our lead, some of the other countries were doing the same thing. And so when they were dumping oil on the market, and we're dumping oil on the market, it did have a, a, a suppression, a little bit of the uh, oil prices, but really didn't do much in terms of the way of our gas prices. And that was never the intention of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Anyway... Um, Several weeks ago, the Department of Energy rejected a bid for 3 million barrels to refill the SPR. Uh, crude quality complicates the problem of the refilling the SPR, and the U.S. Department of Energy may not have sufficient budget to refill the, the petroleum reserve. First, there's a crude specification, so let's, let's take these one by one. At the time, critics noticed that the SPR contains mostly light, sweet crude, sweet, Crude And the release of the 180 barrels, which is actually more like uh, 200 and some barrels now um, from uh, because they overlooked um, a release that wasn't calculated here. But anyway, more than 200 million barrels of oil were released from this uh, strategic petroleum reserve. And that variety won't make much of a difference in gasoline prices because U.S. gasoline is made of a blending light with heavy crude. So that didn't affect our, our prices very much. But when we're replenishing the petroleum reserve, we have specifications in terms of what oil goes back in there. Um, second comes the issue of price. The Department of Energy had said that at the end of last year, it would start uh, only starting to buy a strategic petroleum reserve once the price of West Texas Intermediate Crude fell to 67 and 70 dollars a barrel. Well, if you notice that it hasn't hit anywhere near that um, over the last... Actually, since I've been doing the show in particular. Right now, uh, let's see, uh, the total of release from the SPR was not on the original, and they do mention that in here, that it was actually more like 220 million barrels of oil that was uh, released. And so with the bid that was offered, they rejected that. And so... Until oil prices get down that low again, um, they're probably not going to um, fill the petroleum patro- reserve. They also talk about here, and, in fact.
5: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: It doesn't seem like the oil companies are in a um, real hurry to boost production. And why would you? You've got one of the most uh, uh, anti-oil governments in the history of this country, and they're always talking about criticizing them as being gougers and um, uh, inflating prices. Where every investigation from the beginning that I can remember, even back in the 70s, that fell flat on its face, that they don't manipulate the market. The market is what the market is. But uh, that's not enough for the government because they always got to play the oil companies like there's some, uh, you know, big oil that they're uh, nefarious groups that are trying to gouge the American public. But... Again, the prices are not coming down to that 67 to $70 a barrel of crude. Plus, the type of crude that would be available is not the type that we normally store. And then, also, the way that they went about selling this. Now, get this. The sale of the 180 million barrels of crude from the SPR last year Probably generated somewhere around seventeen point three billion in proceeds at an average price of ninety six dollars per barrel, but of this seventeen point three billion of that, um, of that, but of but of this seventeen point three billion, twelve point five billion was set aside for use by Congress in the latest spending bill to fill the gap left by the cancellation of previously scheduled SPR sales for the period 20, 2024 to 2027, because periodically they do release oil from this. Cause you just can't let it sit there that it's got to be rotated out. And so while they sell this off and then replenish it, that um, these sales were anticipated and put into the budget. Now, isn't that interesting? They put something into the budget and depend on these sales. And generally, oh, let me put it, let me put it in a, an example here, okay? If you are working for a company, and a lot of people do, and if you are being told that there is going to be a bonus at the end of the year, And somehow in your brain, you think that that bonus is going to be substantial. And that bonus turns out to not be substantial. Or if you anticipate a raise and the raise doesn't come through because of the economy. Well, then what you normally do is that you adjust your budget accordingly, spend less money, do certain things to make your dollars stretch. Not so with the government. They're going to spend that money no matter what, and then all of a sudden, because of this being in the budget, they're going to take money from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve sales and spend it rather than putting it off to the side to repurchase oil down the line. That's the idiocy of this government. Now, once this is available... They're saying that that only leaves 4.8. If you're trying to replace 180 and you only got enough to buy 70, my math says that ain't going to work. So it's just infuriating when you deal with these people. And, you know, credit to my wife. I mean, she came up the perfect line. You know, we get proved every day, every time we turn around, that our best and brightest in government aren't actually our best and brightest so again uh, with that uh well we got to get out of here uh time is up wish we had more time but we're working on it stay tuned for our radio top of the hour i'm kevin gordon america's trucking network 700 wlw
1: news traffic and weather news radio 700 wlw cincinnati
8: A heated town meeting involving Norfolk Southern officials, the EPA, and East Palestine residents. I'm Sean McCormick, breaking now. It took a month, but Norfolk Southern officials finally faced the residents of East Palestine at a meeting Thursday night. Residents were clearly vocal about their health concerns, and that led EPA Region 5 Administrator Deborah Shore to reassure those residents.
3: We will not be leaving until you are satisfied.
8: Earlier in the day, activist Erin Brockovich held a town meeting in East Palestine. She says village residents are telling her they're getting the runaround from local and state officials as well as from Norfolk Southern.
7: They are so afraid. They get so many mixed messages. They're getting a total runaround. They want help. They make a phone call. It goes to Norfolk. Then it says call EPA. EPA says call Norfolk.
9: Now the latest weather from
8: the forecasters at nine
9: news rain and storms a 7 a.m. temperature of 42 possible flooding for the morning our friday then a severe storm threat wind advisory with gusts of 50 miles an hour and one to two inches of rain or more which triggers a flood watch through the day a high of 60 it all tapers off at night we drop to 35 from your severe weather station i'm nine first warning chief meteorologist steve raleigh news radio 700 wlw
8: News is a service of Progressive Insurance. An Amber Alert continues for a North College Hill child. North
0: College Hill Police say 22-year-old Lucy Bullock took 2-year-old Brandon Rosier from his babysitter's home on Sterling Avenue around 5 a.m. She's not the boy's mother, and it's unclear what connection to the child she has, if any. Police believe the little boy may be in danger. He's described as black with braids and wearing black clothing. Bullock is described as a 22-year-old black woman, 5'3", 135 pounds. Police believe they're in a 2009 Black Saturn View four-door with Ohio license plate JVU. Five nine six zero. We have pictures on the 700 WLW Twitter account. I'm Jack Crumley.
8: The former Speaker of the Ohio House faces tougher questioning in his second day on the stand. After answering questions from his defense team
4: Wednesday, the prosecution Thursday cross-examining former Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder, which at times left Householder becoming argumentative requiring the judge to repeatedly reprimand him at one point loudly scolding Householder for responding to questions with questions. Prosecutors using Householder's own speeches, photos, and conversations against him as they look to show that Householder took part in a $60 million bribery scheme with First Energy in order to push through House Bill 6, a major bailout for two of the energy company's nuclear power plants in Ohio. Both the prosecution and the defense resting their cases, with closing arguments expected to begin Tuesday. I'm Sean Galviger, Radio 700. WLW.
8: A petition from the group Ohioans for Reproductive Freedom that looks to get an abortion rights constitutional amendment on the November ballot has been approved by the state attorney general's office and now moves on to the Ohio ballot board for approval. Should it get the green light, the group can start collecting signatures possibly to get it on the ballot this fall
3: final grades for the Bengals in two key areas. It could hurt efforts of the Bengals to try and convince top free agents to come here. Players Union issuing new team report cards to guide players through free agency, and the Bengals are getting failing grades in a number of areas. They get an F- minus for food and nutrition and an F for how it treats families of players. team did receive high marks for its strength and training staff, but overall, the club's ranking 27th out of the 32 teams in the NFL. The union says the Bengals' facilities and resources are ranked far below average these rankings based on surveys of players who are currently on the team i'm brian combs news radio 700 wlw
8: i'm sean mccormick news radio 700 wlw
3: it's the marketer's report this week, Patricia
4: Spagnoletta, Global Chief Marketing Officer.
2: Starting this month, you can take advantage of great savings throughout the year. Check out the monthly parts and service specials in store and online. And when you are ready to order, shop online with Parts Connect at rustruckcenters.com. Expect more from Rush Truck Center. Looking for a particular part? Then look no further. Rush Truck Center's All Makes Parts catalog features more than 16,000 of the most popular All Makes parts from the top suppliers in the industry. And with 164 pages, this